We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee, and we are sponsored by Cooper's Brewing. That was a beer cracking if you couldn't hear that. Um, Cooper's Brewing, go visit the brewery in Santa Rosa, cooperagebrewing.com. If you're 21 and over and in the state of California, they will ship you beer if you order it there. They'll overnight it to you. Shows up at your doorstep cold and ready to drink. It's awesome. Cooperagebrewing.com. Let's talk about the 49ers lost to the Falcons. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Kittle in Denver territory! Kittle is gonna go! Touchdown! Bosa's well, got him in a second back inside the 30-yard line. Nick Bosa drops Aaron Rodgers for a 13-yard loss. Quick pass caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in! Touchdown! Before we dive into this, take a little sip. Oh, yeah. The Candlestick Chronicles Hazy IPA. It's going to go down nice. So tasty. (laughs) Uh, My favorite part about being sponsored by Cooperage is that we can just cut ads whenever we want, just in the middle of the show. But yeah, that was really good stage direction on your part. Just last second, like, oh, wait, before, like, open that in the intro. Okay, that's that's a good idea. Dude, I was born to do this. Yeah. You should be a producer. <laughs> totally. Um, no, before we get into this this game, because there's there's a lot I want to get into. Um, I was doing post-game at 95.7 The Game in San Francisco. And a caller, because when you're hosting a show, you have a few computers in front of you, and one of them has a has a, a, a the call screen. So producer answers the phone, types in name, location, what they want to talk about. And that shows up on my screen. And the name Kevin Jones comes up on the screen and it said El Cerrito. And I was like, that's weird. Like if KJ was going to call Kevin Jones, of course, the founder of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, the CEO, our, the CEO of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and our homie, he, I was like, El Cerrito, why would, and he wouldn't call, like, he wouldn't do that. But why does it say Kevin Jones? Like, we take first name. 
what's your name? Mike. Great. Okay, Mike, where are you calling from? So the fact that it said Kevin Jones made me think the caller was like, make sure it says Kevin Jones. But then I was like, El Cerrito, Kevin would not, KJ would not be in El Cerrito. No disrespect to El Cerrito whatsoever. That's just not where where our guy KJ would would be kicking it. So I have the guy on and he was like, hey, Kyle, definitely not KJ by his voice. But then he goes, huge fan of the Candlestick Chronicles. And I was like, I was like, this got to be KJ, right? So I text KJ and I'm like, did you just prank call my show? He was like, no, not me. Why? Was somebody pretending to be me? I was like, nope, this is just a wild coincidence. Yeah, I mean, it's not super so shout out to the kevin jones that listens to the pod and called the post i could see there being multiple kevin jones like no in, totally in totally Ke- kevin jones is not a a a like whoa there's more than one of them right it's name. not like oh it's biederman with the weird spelling and pronunciation like kevin right. jones is pretty straightforward right i was gonna say like decoldest crawford or something like that but <laughs> biederman works as well so old jordan humphrey so yeah, shout out to Lil Jordan. Now back with the Patriots, by the way. But the fact that he immediately was like, "Yeah, Candlestick Chronicles," was like, "Oh, it's our guy from Blue Wire." But we got a good, we got a good portion wild. of the Kevin Jones market cornered. We are cornering the KJ market yeah. for sure. Anyway, shout out, shout out to that Kevin Jones and also our guy, uh, Kevin Jones, the CEO of Blue Wire. So the 49ers lost. And it feels like they got punched in the mouth in the way they typically punch teams in the mouth. Like that watching Niners Falcons today felt a lot like watching Rams Niners, but reversed. Yeah, I totally agree. Look, the Falcons ran it 40 times. How often do we talk about the 49ers being able to run it 40 times? A lot. And then you get, you get Marcus Mariota completing 93% of his passes and it was just 13 of 14 attempts. But that's, that is the exact formula that the 49ers usually win by um, getting turnovers, playing good defense and being efficient through the passing game via the running game with play action and all of that stuff. And the 49ers just got beat at their own game. And obviously the injuries are a huge part of it that like, there's no way we can talk about this game without talking about the fact that 11, they played this game without 11, like by the end of it, 11 of their 22 starters were not playing Half football. Their starters, Half of their starters. So, um, you know, there's always like, anytime you mention it, like on Twitter, it's like, stop making excuses for him, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, I'm not making excuses. I'm providing, I'm trying to provide like, a, a full picture of what is actually right. happening with this team because it would be like, yeah, they're playing bad. They didn't play well, right? They made a lot of mistakes. Jake Brendel's three penalties on that fourth quarter drive were pretty ridiculous. Brutal, dude. The drops were pretty bad. Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't great, but he probably should have had a much better game statistically um, than he did because of those drops. And like, Maybe the throw to Ray Ray McLeod that was deep downfield was a little bit, you know, towards the sideline and maybe should have been more straight up field. Maybe you can make that case. I don't know exactly what that route's supposed to look like, right? Maybe the deep one to Brandon Ayuk that got broken up by the backup DB 
down the middle of the field was a little bit underthrown. It wasn't perfect. And Jimmy Garoppolo is never going to be the deep passer who, you know, throws it way ahead of guys and forces guys to, to run underneath it. Guys are generally slowing down or coming back for those deep throws. But it was it was just a lot of self-inflicted wounds. Obviously, when you fumble the ball in your own territory and it gets returned for a touchdown, that's super problematic. Mm-hmm. And the 49ers are just, you know, the injuries are obviously a big problem. They didn't have four of their six captains. They, they're, <laughs> they're missing both corners, both their starting corners, who we consider very good, if not, I mean, I would say very good corners, right? Both their starting tackles, Nick Bosa, um, their starting quarterback, Trey Lance, like uh, Elijah Mitchell, like you can go through the list. Even even Trent Williams backup Colton McKivitz is out. So mm-hmm. they're essentially on their third string left tackle and they don't really have a great answer. At right tackle either with Daniel Brunskill and Blake Hans having to play out there. Um, so, yeah, the injuries are part of it. But, you know, there's there's also the idea that you have to overcome it. And they had opportunities to overcome their injuries and they didn't take advantage of it. And the result was losing in a way um, that, you know, they typically beat teams. They typically beat teams by running the ball 40 times. And that's what the Falcons did on them. And look, like the 49ers came into the game with the best run defense in the league. And they didn't stop the run very well at all today. And I do think Nick Bosa not playing is a huge factor in that because he's one of the best edge setters in the NFL. Yep. And that's exactly where the 49ers were getting attacked, particularly with some of the zone read stuff that Marcus Mariota was able to get out on. So it wasn't a good Fred Warner game. Um, The defense didn't get any turnovers. The third and 13 at the end of the first half that led to the touchdown in the second quarter, obviously really problematic. Kyle Shanahan said after the game, he thought that was the biggest play of the game. And the 49ers got a stop there. They might've had a chance to score before halftime and then got the ball back to start the third quarter. Mm-hmm. but it was just too many mistakes. And when you're playing shorthanded, you have to play well. Um, and they didn't play well. And so it it's an ugly loss, another ugly loss on the road to a team that they should have beat. And that's kind of the theme now. And their three losses, they've all been games where they play down to their competition and they just can't afford to do that when they're missing half their starters. So I want to go back to the beginning of that with the Falcons running 40 times. It's the first time a team, I just looked this up. It's the first time a team has run it 40 or more times against the Niners since week 17 of the 2018 season. It's happened three times since Kyle Shanahan arrived, week seven to nine in 2017 and week 17 of 2018. Was that the Rams game down at yeah. the Coliseum? Yeah. George, George Kittle broke, broke the record. Yeah. yeah. So, that doesn't happen a lot. The 49ers have done it seven times all since all since 2019. Uh, and most recently, week two this year against Seattle. But I think this game illustrated, and, and this is just kind of a theme with the Niners, right? That margin of error. And this game illustrated to me that there's like three or four plays a game that are going to swing games. And the the four today was the Jeff Wilson fumble that was returned for a touchdown. That makes it 14-0. The Ray Ray McLeod drop 
uh, on on the deep shot. That was a that was a second and ten. So they go from and that was, it was still twenty one fourteen at that point. So if they connect on that, I don't think he would have scored. He might have, but he might have. He's fast. But it, worst case, they have great field position. They're in the red zone, and instead they're facing a third and ten, and they wind up punting. That's a massive swing number one. Massive swing number two is the Charlie Warner drop on the throw up the middle. Again, he might not score there, but that's a huge gain. And instead it goes to third and six, they wind up punting. Those drops were on consecutive possessions. Right. To open the second half. Right. So you hit McLeod and you go on to score, it's 21 all. You hit Warner, you go on to score, it's 28 all. Assuming everything plays out the same, right? The other one was the Garoppolo interception. And I don't want this to become a Jimmy thing. I thought I I thought he was really good. Um, and if you He was fine, I thought. If you add those if you dude, if you if you add those two plays, the Warner drop and the McLeod drop, he's got like four hundred yards and a couple touchdowns. And yeah, was it a lot of it? A lot of it was check downs and dump offs and stuff, but I think there were a couple where he was under pressure and got rid of it, which is something we'd never see. Um, there were there were the drops, obviously. Uh, there was the deep throw to Ayuk. Not the one that he left short. That was not a good throw. But the one on the last drive there in the fourth quarter where he hit the deep out to Ayuk and it gets called back because <laughs> Jake Brendel got called for holding. He didn't hold. The defender tripped over him because he railroaded him so bad. that was that's what happened on that play but it's like if you factor those in he was he was great but anyways it doesn't matter the interception was bad and it was the jimmy garoppolo interception we always see because at that point they're down 28 14 but they had the ball to start the fourth quarter they're driving and on a second down he tries to force one into a well-covered debo samuel and the ball gets tipped up in the air and it gets intercepted and how many times have we seen that so that to me was, it wasn't technically the game yet, but it felt like the game because it's like, man, they could score here and it's only a seven point game still early in the fourth quarter. They could win this in regulation. And now it's like, man, they need a miracle to get this to overtime. So that was, that was kind of the three plays to me that jumped out. Four yeah. And I, I think it's a great point because, you know, I, I think you can look at, tons of NFL games and you know the reason why we talk about third down and red zone and all that stuff it's like it's a great point because there are usually four or five plays that decide a game Mm -hmm. right and that's why the margin of error between being a good team and a not good team is pretty slim right like you have to execute on those plays and you could you know, you could be a 13 win team going against a three win team. And if it if it's a game that stays relatively close and the three win team is better on those plays, then you could lose. And that's really the great equalizing factor in the NFL. And it's one of the reasons why we watch. Um, so, yeah, the 49ers need to be better. And, and I thought, you know, one thing just like in a, in a broader sense to George Kittle after the game talking about the 49ers, how. You know, they have a standard of excellence and effort um, and intensity that they typically bring and saying that he didn't think the entire team brought that was Mm. super telling to me because 
George Kittle is usually a guy who's glass half full, right? Like he's when, when he's talking to the media in those press conferences, he's very optimistic um, and just generally like has his teammates back. And I'm not saying he like threw guys under the bus, but for him to be like, yeah, there were we just didn't bring the proper intensity and focus that we needed today. Like that's pretty rare for him to say mm-hmm. and pretty telling. And I do wonder if, you know, cause a lot of these guys have been on this team now for all these East coast swings when they stay over on the East coast between, um, between road games. And I wonder if they're kind of like, I don't want to say tired of it, but it's like, it's, it's a long week and it can be mentally and emotionally draining a little bit to like, go play a football game across the country Go hold yourself up, you know, not like the Greenbriars, like Motel 6. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, to be away from family and friends and your normal routine and stuck in a hotel. You know, I, I understand the travel benefits, obviously, but I do wonder if there's an element of fatigue after you've done that trip for, you know, a few years now. Like they've had a mm-hmm. few of those, um, including the pandemic in 2020. And I'm not trying to like make excuses for them, but I do wonder if that's something the 49ers are going to think about and potentially revisit if and when they have back-to-back road games on the East Coast next year. But yeah, maybe. But yeah, I mean, that that was telling to me. That's like, you know, you and maybe it's a lack of urgency because you're like, well, Atlanta's not really that good. And we just beat the Panthers and we're kind of rolling now. Like we, you know, we, we might not need that same verve or, you know, and look at the numbers. They're like seven and one in these games on the, the, Mm -hmm. the second, the second game of these road trips that they go on. Maybe there's an element of that. But to me, the biggest thing is like, it's just the injuries, man. And it sucks to talk about. And it's really difficult to try to like, discuss it in a way that's not like fire the training staff because that's not really going to solve anything because the 49ers already did that mm-hmm. after you know after 2018 but man it's really hard to like to observe this team year after year continuing to deal with injuries and now I think since the last time we recorded you know Javon Kinlaw goes on injured reserve right and like mm-hmm. his knee clearly you know, Kyle Shanahan said it didn't it didn't respond the way the team had hoped. And Jason Verrett um, wasn't activated this week in part because he had a setback with his knee injury. Mm-hmm. And just have be, some as someone who's covered this team throughout all this stuff. You can go back and look and do the research like there are a lot of guys that have had setbacks from injuries while they're recovering in controlled environments like at practice or just at the team's facility or whatever. And it just feels like this is not normal. Like teams deal with injuries. Like I get it. Football is a physical game. You can't really control what happens on Sundays in terms of injuries, but there are a lot of scenarios where they are rehabbing guys and those guys somehow get worse. It happened with Daniel Brunskill in August, right? He was trying to come back from his hamstring injury He had a setback late in August, and that's why he had to miss the first few games of the season. And if you go back all the way to 2019, when Ben Peterson, the the head of physical performance or whatever his job title is, after coming over from, I believe it was the Philadelphia Flyers 
I think the Pittsburgh Penguins. I don't know, but man, it just feels like there's a recurring theme there. And I don't know exactly how much that correlates to like guys getting hurt on Sundays, but it's like every week now you have to factor in the 49ers losing multiple starters to injuries. And it's just par for the course. And it happens all the time. And, and it's like, even if you can't put direct blame on the medical staff, because I don't think you can, because injuries are part of the game, obviously. But at some point, you just have to make a change because you can't just let this, like, like sh- tell everybody, yeah, we accept you try something. Here. Right. You have to do something else. Right. Today, and I thought, oh, I, I, I just wonder, like, if that's going to happen. Now more than ever, and I'm not trying to be like reactive, fire the training staff guy, but I do, I do wonder if this is something that's going to happen in the off season or even sooner than that. Like they're just going to like find new people and just be like, we have to do something else because what we're doing right now is not working in terms of maximizing our players' performance. Sure. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I thought today the injuries really because the the common refrain is, well, you can't use injuries as an excuse. And I think that's that's fair when it's one or two. But you saw it on Sunday on the defensive line in particular. They're down Javon Kinlaw, Eric Armstead, and Nick Bosa. And you referenced Nick Bosa and setting the edge earlier. And Samson Ebukam's in and out of the game pretty much the entire day. Right. And so when you start rotating in your backups and your backups that normally play 15 snaps are now playing 50 or 60, we talk about we talk about four or five plays a game. That only needs to matter for four or five plays. And I think where it manifested Sunday was the Falcons didn't have a bunch of explosive plays. It's not like they were they were carving up the Niners, but they were getting four yards here, and now it's second and six. Okay, now five yards. Okay, now it's third and one. Get the third and one. Now there's a first down. Like They were just methodically doing what they want in the run game, getting into second and third and short, and making it easier for Mariota to, to have success pulling it on, on zone reads letting Mariota have time to throw because play action was available. They were never in that rarely they, they were in a couple of like third and longs, but they were very rarely in 
must pass situations. The Kyle Pitts touchdown was play action, and it's a pretty straightforward throw when you have the entire defense going one direction reacting yeah. to the play action because they're not stopping the run yeah and a lot of credit to arthur smith too we talk about how smart fred warner is all the time on this podcast he looked like he had no idea today and i, I think that's in part because m- maybe in part because he is overcompensating and really trying to make plays with with so many back of defense alignment in but he missed some tackles and took some bad angles and just really just kind of had an uncharacteristically bad game. And I think that's partly because uh, Arthur Smith did such a good job of game planning for uh, for the Falcons. But like I said, it's it's not something where I mean, the, the, the 49ers get no credit. Like you don't get a you don't go, oh, well, you get half a win because look how many players were out. But when you're trying to put this game in context and put this loss in context, it is impossible to talk about what the Falcons did offensively without noting that they got whatever they wanted because the 49ers didn't have enough good players up front. That's kind of what it came down to. Yeah. And what happens is, is the offense needs to pick up the slack and the offense didn't. And even without the starting tackles, it didn't feel like Jimmy Garoppolo was like under siege. Mm-mm. right like Jimmy Garoppolo had a pretty productive game through the air on the last fourth down like he had time to make the throw and it didn't and it wasn't a good decision and he threw it into the ground but yeah I mean the injury the injuries are a factor but you still have to play well to overcome it totally you know, like I, I think yeah. the injuries were probably the biggest reason the 49ers lost this game but they still played like shit yes that, and, and that's I'm not trying to use takeaway. I'm, I'm not trying to use the injuries to absolve them but like if they like if the Niners would have lost this game by a field goal and the offense was like, you know, say it was a a 33 to 35 game and they lost and you say, all right, like if they're healthy, they probably win that game. Like you feel pretty good about the fact that the offense scored 33 points, et cetera, et cetera. But you don't because, you know, the 49ers were able to function without their tackles and they still had Debo Samuel and George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk, but the offense didn't score any points after halftime. They had drops. They had bad penalties. They didn't sustain drives long enough. They had a fumble that, that went the other way for a touchdown. Like, you know, they, they're not, they, they didn't play well enough to earn the benefit of the doubt to be like, Oh, injuries are why they lost. Right. Right. I think that's, I think that's correct. This, this was the first game this year though that they lost and I didn't feel like, man, they should have won that one. Like there were no points in this game that I'm like, Oh, the Niners have this. Like this is, this is their game to win. Even they when they tied it up. It. Yeah. That was just, that stabilized and it's like, okay, now back on back square, like they have to play a little better, but they, they, they're, they're back in it. It the, the bears game. It felt like it was over at 10, nothing. And to lose that game, it's like, Wow, it's what a calamity. What a disaster. Same thing with the Denver game. Like Denver, they controlled that game the entire way through. They were leading. And then, right. And then Russell Wilson has one good throw to Cortland Sutton. And the Broncos are all of a sudden scoring to win the game. And it's like, what the? How did that happen? This was the first game that it's like, oh, the Niners weren't the better team today. They got punched in the mouth. And that happens. Like, that's why. Removing injuries is a is a is a factor for a minute. 
I don't feel any differently about the 49ers now than I did yesterday. No, I, I mean, that's why if we anything, talked about their it. offense was better, right? Like at least yeah. their passing game was better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why we talked about it in the terms we did last week leading in. Like there's a chance of 40, like this is a very losable game mm-hmm. going into it, even though the 49ers were five and a half point favorites on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, it never seemed realistic that Nick Bosa was going to play, even though he returned to quote unquote practice on Friday. Friday practice is like a walkthrough. Like we should right. not, if a guy doesn't practice Monday and, and Thursday and is just out there and Kyle Shanahan doesn't say with any confidence that he's like, oh yeah, looked awesome. Then like good chance if the guy returns to practice on Friday that he's not going to play Sunday. And is limited for the walkthrough. Right. Come on. That's right. Shanahan and, even said, Shanahan even said, he, he I, I forget his quote, but what he said about Bosa really made it seem like he wasn't going to play. Right. But that's a yeah. different, different thing. Yeah, it was like, yeah, we'll see. I, I mean, they're, they get, Shanahan said after the game that they could get Nick Bosa back. They could get Trent Williams back. And if they have Nick Bosa and Trent Williams, you start to feel just just by virtue of having those two players in the game, you feel better about it. I you know they're going to go beat Kansas City. I don't know. We'll talk about that through the week. But we wondered where the breaking point was with the injuries and how sustainable it was to keep playing with guys being hurt. And we found the breaking point because it's I Nick, just don't know. It's Nick Bosa. I, yes. In my opinion. Yes. I'm inclined to agree. Like if Nick, Bosa comes, if Nick Bosa comes, if Nick Bosa comes back next week and you know he plays the entire season, and the the games when Nick Bosa is playing, the Niners are the number one defense. I think we'll have a better understanding of exactly how valuable he is, because he's not. He's given how good he is as a run defender, in addition to being one of the best pass rushers in the league. He is the most indispensable player on the 49ers roster, in my opinion. I think that's right. Because, I mean, we talk about quarterback, but like Trey Lance was made less indispensable because they got Jimmy Garoppolo. And maybe now Jimmy Garoppolo is the most indispensable guy because, you know, the drop the drop off to seventh round rookie quarterback from him might be impossible to overcome. But in terms of like the 49ers being a competent team, versus being an elite team like Nick Bosa is such a differentiating factor for them. And I think that was one of the, that's one of the big takeaways I'll have today is like, yeah, 49ers were a historically good defense and had, you know, and they had other injuries, obviously, but like if Nick Bosa plays today, half of those running plays don't work. At least the ones to his side of the field. I yeah, feel like. probably not. Right, yeah, like Sam- Samson Ebukam crashing on like the zone read every time, <laughs> with Mariota slipping out the backside. Like there were a few a, a few runs to the edge where you're like, yeah, they they just didn't set the edge very well there. And it's like the 49ers, by the way, now twenty six and thirteen in games Nick Bosa plays. It's a good record, pretty good. And then I'll I don't want to get the record without him, but. They added another loss to it today. <laughs> well, wins aren't a defensive end stat, Kyle. That's your opinion. <laughs> I don't know. I just 
yeah, like you said, if Bosa plays, if Trent Williams is back, start to feel better. But well, well, that's the other thing too. The Niners couldn't run the ball at all today, mm-hmm. which is pretty pretty rare and pretty jarring. And maybe that's where I mean that's that has to be where you feel Trent Williams and Mike McGlinchey's absence the most offensively because it didn't like like we said like Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't under siege when he dropped back. But man, to have to have 15 rushing or sorry, 50 rushing yards on 16 carries and to have to pass the ball 41 times because you fall behind by two scores in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. That's just not the game script. The 49ers can have and expect to win. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the 3.1 yards per carry. Like you need, even if you fall behind, like, do you remember uh, oddly enough, in 2012 or the 2012 season, it would have been January 24, uh, 2013 mm-hmm. when they went to Atlanta in the NFC championship game, they fell behind by two scores, 17, nothing, 17, nothing. So it was three scores and they still came back to win that game because, you know, they fell down 17, nothing. And then they had one of those long drives. They ran the ball really well. And they got a touchdown. I think it was a Frank Gore touchdown. Mm-hmm. They were able to reestablish control of the game by having one of those drives. And like a lot of the time you fall behind by multiple scores, you obviously have to pass to get into it. But this today's game was was early enough to where they still could have established the run and started dictating terms to the defense um, and, and regain some semblance of control. But they were never able to do that. And we know how important the 49ers running game is to just the overall efficiency of their offense. Mm -hmm. And they're going to have a hell of a hard time winning when they're running the ball just 16 times to 41 pass attempts, particularly with Jimmy Garoppolo as a quarterback. Yeah, and that's just not... I'm guessing most teams that run it 16 times and throw it 40-plus times are losing. Like that's just not a that's that it's unless, not a, unless you have not, Pat Mahomes not, or Josh not, Allen. Well, they don't. So right. like the <laughs> right. 30 teams don't have those two guys. <laughs> right. So so for 27 teams in the league, I'm counting Lamar like Lamar Jackson maybe and like Aaron Rodgers maybe like Tom Brady, I don't know. Last but, year's Matt Stafford. Sure. For a bunch of teams in the league, though, if you're running it 16 times and throwing it 41 times, it probably means the game went very poorly for you. And it's not it's not like, oh, just flip those numbers. It's like, no, it means the game script went bad. Yeah. And you had to throw it 40 times. And the Falcons were selling out to stop the run, too. The Niners didn't look like they were fooling anybody with what they were doing in the run game. Although... I did think it was kind of interesting that they ran a play with Ty Davis Price as the fullback with Debo as the running back. That was really interesting. And it makes me think that there's something different coming from Kyle Shanahan soon. Because they've got to find something else. Their run game just consistently this year, with the exception of like last week, has just looked not good. Yeah. Maybe it's the offensive line, but I mean, so so much of what they do in the running game has to do with outside zone, right? Like they do run inside quite a bit, but like people want to 
talk about Mike McGlinchey and yeah, maybe he's not like an elite pass protector, but he's certainly a, a pretty good right tackle when it comes to run blocking when he's healthy. Mm-hmm. And obviously Trent Williams is Trent Williams. I think it's got to be hard to run the ball the way you want to run the ball when you have Jalen Moore and Daniel Brunskill or Blake Hans as your tackles. Right. And that that's the bigger problem is yeah. we knew going in, hey, the offensive line is probably not going to be great. Well, it's because no. they don't invest in it. But you have to catch passes. You have like when there are big plays to be had and you're Ray Ray McLeod or Charlie Warner and you you have to hit those plays. And even George Kittle being open in the end zone. Um, I believe it was the fourth quarter. Um, yeah. And Jimmy Garoppolo rolled right and airmailed him like that's was probably that last a th- drive. Yeah, that was yeah. probably a throw he had to make, too. Yes. Yeah, there were just too many plays that. And again, it's not like, oh, if they make those plays, they win for sure, because the Falcons might have just plowed down and scored again. But it didn't help. And I don't know, man, like you lose in the NFL sometimes. The NFL's hard. No, for sure. But you have to to be an elite team. You have to find ways to win. Like and you have to find different ways to win. Yeah. And the 49ers couldn't find that different way today. They continue. They continue to struggle playing from behind. Yes. That's just kind of what it is. You want to get to the Cooper six pack? Let's do it. Tough week. <laughs> Tough week all around. I unless so George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, and Debo Samuel combined for 31 targets. That's nuts. But also probably about right. <laughs> the best version of this offense probably has those guys getting that that much target share, like three quarters of the target share. Um yeah, 11, quick, 11 for Ayuk, 10 for Kittle, and 10 for Debo. To me, and maybe I've been harping on this too much, but that's when you have that group of skill guys, like that's a really good group of skill guys, maybe one of the best groups of skill guys in the league. Like you need to spread the ball around. Yeah. And that's one of the positives you can take away from the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And Ayuk was really good. Um, but real quick, before before we get to the to the six-pack, in fact, it ties in a little bit because you had Ray Ray McLeod. But on post, there were people complaining. Post is post game, right? The post yeah. game show. The it's called overtime on ninety five seven game. Okay, the post football. post is like industry jargon, right? Totally. Okay, just want to be clear for the listener. Yeah. You're welcome. On the post game show, no, I, there were I, I saw a lot of. Like complaining that those deep targets went to Ray Ray McLeod and Charlie Werner and not Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle. And you can't throw every ball to those three guys. Charlie Werner's open because the Falcons were okay with him being open. Not necessarily okay with it, but they weren't defending him like, hey, this guy can't get open. And the same thing with Brandon Ayuk or Debo Samuel. It's the reason that Ray Ray McLeod was able to get the leverage that he got. Like it, it just you, you have to be able to throw it to your other players. The <laughs> reason the reason why one target each. 
the reason why Jimmy Garoppolo's interceptions are so frustrating is because a lot of the times and and the two he's thrown over the middle of the field this year, he's trying to force feed it to Debo when he's not really open. Right. So right. like, hey, if he's not open, throw to somebody who is. And those guys were open and they were catchable passes. Right. Like if if you can't make that catch, then you shouldn't be on an NFL team. Well, let me hang on. Let me back up. Let me back up. Let me back up. That's that's super harsh. Like cut them because they dropped it. If I'm guessing they often catch that pass. (laughs) But if the 49ers looked at that and said it's impossible for them to catch a pass, then they wouldn't be on the team. Is my point. They're NFL players. You gotta make a play. Anyways. Yeah, no, I mean so much of what makes Kyle Shanahan a good offensive play caller and designer is he dictates a lot of his plays based on what the defense is doing and how they react. Right. So if George Kittle's getting bracketed and Debo Samuel's getting doubled and you have a fast guy, Ray Ray McLeod running up the seam and he's open for a potential touchdown. If they complete that, then it's like, Oh man, Kyle Shanahan's genius, Mm -hmm. but the throws a little off and, or the routes a little off or, and the guy drops it whatever then it's like oh kyle's this idiot who's trying to force a deep ball to ray ray mcleod right right it's like we're judging we're so often we judge results more than the process and you just kind of have to be i like if you really want the process was good if you really want to like you know judge that like if i were to judge the process i would be like should that have been a danny gray route like should danny gray have been up and should he have been the one because like he's your deep ball specialist Sure. Maybe because because Ray Ray McLeod is a guy who fumbles a lot and isn't really known for having good hands. Hey, Ray Ray, as we get into the Cooper six pack, finally, Ray Ray helped you out. He had a oh. nice punt return, set up the second touchdown and a good kick return and a nice kick return. Yeah. Yeah. Kyle McClure <laughs> tweeted me, he said, all caps, tell the story of the game. I think it was in response <laughs> to Ray Ray McLeod. Love Kyle McClure. Big Kyle McClure guy. Shout out to Ruthless. First pick, Jeff Wilson Jr. Tough scene. Not a good Jeff Wilson Jr. game. Told the story of the game, really, though. That fumble six was... really tells the story. That fumble six was a big one. That fumble six in his seven carries and one target. And that's just not... They got to get more going in the run game than that. I don't care that you were down 14 nothing. It also got to 14-14. And then 21-14. My fantasy team agrees with you. Kyle Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan is too good of a coach to have his run game be just stymied because the other team is looking for it. You know, I, <laughs> the Falcons, the Falcons were one of the worst run defenses in the league going in. Figure it out. A lot of it Not too. George Kittle said they dropped their linebackers and safeties deep a lot. Mm-hmm. which like okay but it it was very clear that part of Kyle Shanahan's thinking was like all right well if we can't run the ball we're going to replace the running game with screens and short passes sure which is why I can't look at Jimmy Garoppolo's numbers and be like oh he was awesome because it's like all right well a lot of those are screens like good for you you can complete screens man a lot of venom <laughs> Jesus. I'm just there's I, venom there no venom. I I it's I'm not it's just like, you know, people are like, oh, Jimmy's really cooking this drive. It's like, is he? He completed three screens in a dump off. 
Yeah. I mean, sure. Okay, he's cooking. Fine. <laughs> you made one throw of 10 yards. Anyway. Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay. Um, my, Fred Warner. Well, my pick was Fred Warner, who was not good today. Yeah. It was not a good Fred Warner game. I talked up Fred Warner so tough last week. And he was a quarterback of the defense and gets everybody aligned. And and I think you made the point earlier, which is 100% correct in my mind, that sometimes he tries to do too much and tries to overcompensate for the fact that he doesn't have the same level of defensive lineman in front of him. And he's really able to kind of be free and do his thing when he does have Eric Armstead and Nick Bosa in particular playing in front of him. And it felt like today he was just playing rushed. He was trying to shoot gaps. He wasn't sound tackling. He didn't take the best angles in the whole game. It was one of those where it was like Fred's trying to do too much here. And it was yeah. apparent in the way that they couldn't really stop the run. Yeah. Yeah. As t- like when you're u- when you're used to having clean looks in the backfield and now all of a sudden you're getting offensive linemen into the second level because Hassan Ridgeway got blown off the line. Like that's that's tough. <laughs> Tough game all the way around for everybody. I had Charles Omenahu with the third pick. He was good. He had a sack. Yeah, he had a sack. The My favorite moment of the broadcast, I think I texted you guys about this. Mark Schlereth goes, he has 38-inch arms. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> like, like That was clearly it's... just like a note that a producer had written down. Like Right. Like he has he has long arms, Mark. That's what it means. <laughs> also, I checked. Like you should know you were an offensive lineman, dog. Like you right. should know. Also, I checked. I checked the spider graph. He has thirty-seven inch arms. So wow, yeah. wow. We're factually you, we're factually incorrect, and we don't know out? what it means. <laughs> <laughs> make that the make that the slogan for this pod. Factually incorrect and don't know what it means. <laughs> <laughs> He has 38 uh, inch arms. Out, I don't know. Ruling that out that his arms have grown an inch since that uh, measurement was taken. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, as an as hurt. an adult, I haven't. I haven't. <laughs> um, no, hey, I do not think. I did 25. not. Yeah, I, I just turned what? Charles Omena, who just turned 25. Oh, I thought you said I just turned 25. I was like, wow, that's hilarious. No, I did not. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, no, he did have a good game from a pass r- pass rushing perspective. Um, he did. Run stopping, not so much. Yeah, but they only had. I mean, well, of a pass rush game. Yeah. They see Marcus Mariota still completed twelve of thirteen <laughs> passes. Crazy. How many sacks did the Niners have total? Two. Was it just two? Yeah, it was two. Drake Jackson and Charles Amon. Drake Jackson had the other one. I came for your neck on this pick. Um, basically pitting Jackson against Amenahu, and both of our guys finished with the sack. Although Amenahu's went for an eight-yard loss, and Jackson's was a no gain. And uh, Charles Amenahu four tackles to Drake Jackson's three, and one tackle for loss. That's the sack. No. Yeah. Oh, sack. okay. Yeah, he yeah, yeah. Sack, okay. QB hit and tackle for loss. I guess if you if you get a sack and it goes for zero yards, you technically don't get a TFL, huh? Yes, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I guess you you win you win that round of this. Yeah. Goddamn right, I did. Um, you went Daniel Brunskill, and I came really once. Blake Hans was the first right tackle inserted after McGlinchey. 
I wanted to text you and be like, you are barred from taking some from picking somebody <laughs> who, who we have no idea if he's actually going to play. <laughs> but Brunsko got in the game and I think he played I think he played the entire second half. I could be wrong on that, but that's watching. I, I think that's how it went. And he definitely played. I saw him whiff a block on the uh, on that third and one where they tried the toss to Tevin Coleman. Sure. Tevin Coleman had to turn it back inside because Brunskill was late getting out there. Also, if he did play the entire second half, which was my suspicion, the Niners didn't score any second half points. I'm certain it wasn't a good pick. <laughs> what do you want from me, man? Um, you had Ray Ray McLeod. I had Ray Ray McLeod. Good, good. I mean, he didn't fumble, and he had the he had the good punt return. <laughs> he had the game changing drop, but it's and, fine. And one of yeah, I mean, he he helped tell the story of the game. That was my whole thing. <laughs> Pick guys who helped tell the story of the game. Not hey, how about how the best about game. the how about the Brad Pinion revenge game? Dropping the Niners on the one with ten minutes left in the fourth quarter, down two scores. Listen, unbelievable shit from our guy Brad. I'm a I'm a fan of Brad Pinion, the human. A quality, Very good dude. I quality human. On Twitter. I check. Yeah. Get him on the pod. Maybe we can't. Maybe we should have got him on the pod to preview this game. Um, but a Still fellow, a fellow June first birthday guy. So that's how that's how Brad and I first bonded. We've we've talked about that a couple times, but not to brag. We used to talk to Brad Pinion. <laughs> Sick dude. <laughs> um. I honestly not a lot happening on his Twitter feed. I cannot bad follow. Is he a bad follow? Yeah, it's just Instagram posts and retweeting the Falcons. Yeah, I mean, when you're a professional, that'll that'll happen. Not everyone has scorching hot takes to to fire off or um not even one. I'm looking for one like hot food take, potatoes suck. Or something like that. <laughs> Potatoes suck. I don't know. <laughs> Dude, I, it's almost Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is the time that people's weird ass food takes come out. I don't like mashed potatoes. You what? I have a scorching hot food take that uh, I have coming out of this weekend. Do, hold on. Let's pick. Let's figure out who. Um, do either of us deserve week? a win for for no. this? We tied. We tied. Okay, I'm fine with that because I don't even want to win from this. I don't either. This one doesn't count. <laughs> okay, we tied. Uh, my food just take. Just a bunch of poop. Just <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, bo- uh, like in terms of like playing poorly, we both pick guys that played poorly. And in terms of telling the story of the game, we both pick guys that explain why the 49ers lost. So we can't. No, so we technically didn't... we both won. Yeah, sure. We too. We won and lost. We tied. Scorching hot food take. Are we ready? Uh, the Niner stuff's probably over. If you want to skip to the end, yeah, we'll start. We'll start spinning this stuff forward at the the next pod we record. That'll be out later this week. But I believe Ty Dunn, who wrote the book uh, "The Blood and Guts," it's about the history of the tight end position in the NFL is going to be joining us on Wednesday. Oh, great. Uh, yeah, he's going to talk about the book, but then also it's Kittle versus Kelsey, so we'll talk about that. But, I mean, he's he he's 
great to talk football with. So we'll dive into awesome love, into love all that, that stuff on the uh, food takes on on the pod reporting food takes. A lot of people online have told me that Five Guys is better than In and Out, which is an acceptable mm. take on its on its face. Um, I had not had Five Guys in about a decade. The last time I had Five Guys was in Columbus, Ohio, when I went to a school there. Um, we get it. You went to Ohio State. <laughs> I went to five guys sort of out of necessity because I was, I was on a work excursion um, this weekend and I, I was like, all right, I'll try. I'm kind of in the mood for a burger. I'll go to five guys. I got a, um, a double cheeseburger, a small fries and a bottle of water. $42. <laughs> it was $23. <laughs> So my take is, it's a why lot are of we, food, though. no, it was, it was fine. I mean, it wasn't a small amount of food, but it was not $23 worth of quote unquote fast food. Sure. My take is, why are we comparing five guys in in and out when one is twice as expensive as the other? That's always been, that's always been my thing. Like think, say what you want about in and out, but you get, you get a burger fries and a soda for like 10 bucks, right? Less than 10 bucks. Right. I don't know with inflation, but yeah, and maybe it, it's an yeah. inflation thing. But like that's where that's where In and Out's appeal is to me. Yes, and like I personally like In and Out's food better, but I'm not gonna like, I'm I'm not gonna like you know die on that hill like whatever. Like I, I under the the burger was fine, the fries were okay. I should have got Cajun fries. That was that was my own mistake. But like when I paid twenty three dollars for a burger and fries and a bottle of water. I was kind of upset. I was like, I've I've been on Twitter all this time, not really chiming in on this in and out and five guys take. Sure. And one and one is twice as expensive as the other. And this is some sort of debate. Like, what are we doing? Brutal. What are we doing on Twitter.com? You know what? You know what else is when people try and throw Whataburger into that debate? Get Whataburger out of my damn face. <laughs> Do you know I've had Whataburger once. It was in Phoenix, Arizona. Do you know how you know Whataburger sucks? You can't find it in California. No, wrong. That's one of its redeeming qualities. Whataburger sucks because whenever I tell someone Whataburger sucks, and they go, "What did you have?" and I say the burger, and they go, "Well, you can't get that. (laughs) Get the patty melt or so." Like, okay, then, bro. Then if your burger sucks. At a place called Whataburger, I'm out. I don't go to In and Out because the grilled cheese is good. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm of the opinion Take like a burger. <laughs> if if we want to have a debate about Five Guys, like let's have a debate about like the habit and Five Guys. The habit's so much better. I think habit, I would agree. Habit blows Five Guys. Up. But that, but that is. The, <laughs> those two are of of the comparable category. I thought you were going to be like, then let's have a debate between Five Guys and Ruth Chris. <laughs> <laughs> we're oh, trying to compare funny. prices. There are probably people upset listening to this podcast right now. Oh, like, people are big mad. Yeah, I'm not going to ask people Listen, to review at the end of this one. I don't want anyone to take these food takes personally. I just right. I, I, the like reason why like. I bring it up was that I was unaware the prices were not even in the same neighborhood. No, they're very that different. These very restaurants different 
are pitted against each other. Like this is what you're comparing. Like to me, when in and out first came to prominence and I'm from Santa Rosa. So like when in and out first popped up in Roner park and there were like hour long lines, what made in and out so good was it was com- compared to McDonald's and Burger King and all the fast food that we're used to. And we're like, Oh my God, this is so much better. But now that in and out is mainstream and there's so many other burger spots, people are like, I don't get what's so good about in and out. So like, yeah, the context has changed because everybody else is now making in and out type burgers. Like they like in and out was the first one to like bring like quality quote unquote ingredients right. to fast food. And now everybody's doing that. And people are like, oh, in and outs overrated. It's like, no, when when in and out first came up, it was not overrated at all. We're not currently gunning for in and out sponsorship. Yeah, I, I don't know no. if I align with with that company's ethos. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a so like that's one of the things with with In and Out. Is that like In and Out fine? In and Out is good. It is a place that I will eat. Their fries are underrated, in my opinion. But extremely again, extremely underrated. Again, it's not a hill I'm going to fight on. Right, and not everybody's cup. And not everybody's cup. I get, I get it. it. Totally like, get it. To- not, I'm not one of those people that's like, you don't like In and Out. Oh, screw you. Right. Like, no, same, bro. Same, same, same. Like, j- just eat what you eat and like what you like. Exactly. I don't like Whataburger, <laughs> but that's okay if you do. Anyways, and I like Five Guys, and it was that, fine. But twenty three dollars missed me with that. That was that know, was a twelve dollar meal. My my the time I go to In and Out is if I have a friend in from out of state that's like need In and Out. I'm like, okay, fine, we'll go. We'll go to In and Out. But if I pull up and there's like no line in the drive through, or if I park and go in, it's like, oh, there's one person waiting. I'll I'll go like. I'm not trying to sit in a line. I'm no. I never want in and out that bad. That's all. unless I got like a really good podcast I'm listening to. This one, like, yeah, like I'm if I'm re- rehashing a Candlestick Chronicles episode, which I do all the time. Um, I'll I'll, I'll be willing to sit in the drive through. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to go off the rails on that. I just felt very strongly at the fact that I paid. $23 for a burger and it's, fries. No, live your truth, man. Wild. At least you didn't at least you didn't eat chicken alfredo with your fingers. What that's still the of, craziest food thing that's ever happened on this podcast. Go listen to one of the Eric Branch episodes. It's one of my it. it might be my favorite moment we've had on this podcast. And there have been a lot. Considering all the guests we've had, like we've had some amazing guests. But yeah, the but branch rehashing the story of eating chicken Alfredo with his hands in the middle of North Dakota, Minnesota, <laughs> whatever is especially might be because, my personal favorite, especially because a branch just in general is hilarious. But B, the the way he told the story was like he knew it was gonna be like a funny on him story but also he was like saying it with some hope that we'd be like i'd do the same thing <laughs> you know like there was some <laughs> totally was get some it dude hope. been there <laughs> <laughs> but he wasn't like optimistic that was going to be the outcome right yeah. that was great good episode great episode. shortly after trey lance was drafted so if you want to scroll back and find that episode and listen to that story i think it's toward the end of the podcast unbelievable yeah probably around episode 280 or something hey can we get branch on the pod this week 
We'll talk after. We'll talk later. Yeah, I, we'll get, I'll, I mean, I'll we say, got we I got a lot of guests. Doing that. I need to stop doing that. On we it. got a lot of guests <laughs> to get. I mean, we've been. I I feel like the last couple of weeks we've had episodes where like we could really use some guest power here. Yeah, Not that I, we just haven't come through. We, yeah, and we've been busy. We got day jobs. Not not to brag, but <laughs> not to brag, but I work. <laughs> Dude, um, somebody somebody tweeted a mean thing at me recently, and I said, uh, I said, why are you mean? Like that's just my new go to. When someone's a dick, I just act like, whoa, hey, pause, because I want discourse. Like, let's talk. Sure. But why are you being me? And the person goes, honestly, I just didn't think you were going to see this. Like, brother, I do nothing all day. Man, that guy thinks your Twitter is that popping. Right. That you're right. Like, like, man, I got you... so many replies. I can't even get to this. And that happens every, like, every once in a while. If I've, if I've tweeted during a game, and I don't usually like check my mentions during a game. But if I'm tweeting during a game and people are replying, and reach, I don't go scroll back and read them all. Right. But most of the time, 99% of the time, I see everything. <laughs> it's like, what do you think I've got going on, man? I like... I don't. I man. <laughs> I've I've been on Twitter for a long time and every You're on I'm, your way out. I'm just You've got one foot out the door. Um yeah, I'm, every time I tweet, I'm like, yeah, I just <laughs> wish I All right. Wish this I has didn't gone have on to long read enough. the replies. <laughs> Ty Dunn joins us Wednesday. We'll talk George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, tight ends, and other NFL stuff. And Thursday, we'll have a... Well, Friday. So that pod will come out Thursday. And then Friday, we'll have... We'll have a little preview pod for you. I'm I'm genuinely excited for Niners Chiefs. Like, I, I... My favorite part about covering the NFL and talking about the NFL is just the big games. Yeah. It's so much fun, and hopefully it's fun. Because it's not fun to be like, oh, they got hurt. Yeah. Played like shit. <laughs> yeah, like, I'd way rather talk about, like, Chiefs-Bills today was awesome. Awesome. I'd way rather talk about a game like that than, like, the last right. Like Josh Allen, time. like, doing Hall of Fame. Like, right. jumping over dudes and then throwing incredible. insane touchdown passes in the biggest game of the year. Yeah. Anyway, all right, we'll talk about that. Um, subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, I hope the Five Guys supporters are understanding of my take. This was not a personal attack on you or the food or the food taste. It was just me venting about the price difference and the fact that I don't think those two should be pitted against each other. Right. That's all. It was an economic take, not a food take. Right. Right. Like Glad it, we cleared that up. Say, say you were to file an expense report from a meal. Sure. If your company says, no, you don't need to include a receipt for anything less than $20, you can't go to Five Guys. <laughs> 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 Subscribe, rate, and review. We'll see you guys. Later.